welcome to the Jennifer O'Brien Show. I am your host, Jennifer O'Brien. I am super excited. Today, I have a special guest, Brian Porzio. Brian is a actor. He's super cool and super spiritual, and he happens to go to the church I go to now, and I've had the privilege to see him um, she one hear a story and do some acting for the Easter thing. And then, um, also hear you share about some things that we're going to talk about today that I'm just like, let's have a great conversation. So I'm excited. Thanks for coming on today, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead and just talk about this cute little fur baby in the background. We're going to start right there. Where's, where'd she go? Which Are shoulder? There? Oh, there she is. You have a sweet little dog, huh? Yeah, she's a multi-poo. My wife she's makes hypoallergenic. Hypoallergenic, low shed. That's how we roll. Oh. I got her when I was still single in LA. Really? I was this dude with a person. Is that how you got your wife? Let's talk about that. Was that how you got her? It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt having a cute dog. <laughs> but yeah, she's 10 years old now and uh she's a precious little dog. She's great for our kids too. Yeah. So tell me, tell, let's, let's talk about that. You're married. You've got two kids and let's, let's have that conversation. Been happily married to my beautiful bride, Christina mm -hmm. for eight years, November 9th, just around the corner. Ooh. Yep, we met in LA when she was a youth pastor at a ministry called the Oasis of Hollywood. And I went there to volunteer. Uh, that's how I met her, mm -hmm. but nobody likes the new volunteer that flirts with the attractive female youth pastor. So I actually, I laid low for a while, didn't talk to her at all. Okay. And same for her. But eventually, like after a year, we hung out as friends for the first time and rest is history. I reeled her in and did. Um, it's been awesome. And so we have two kids now. Nicholas is three, Sammy is two, and we are having our third baby October 25th. Like wow. Two and wow. a half I think it's like two and a half weeks. I'm terrified. But, wow. Do you know what you're going to have? Like, do you know, boy, girl? Third boy. Oh, my three uh, sons. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited. And um, I just love being married to Christina. I love being a dad. Mm -hmm. It's just been an incredible ride. And uh, we are loving North Atlanta. We've been here six years. So we wow. met in LA, got married there, moved out here six years ago, and never looked back. We are uh, yeah. having here. So, so, well, you know, it's an interesting story. Uh, tell me your story about being an actor and, and how you even got started and moved out to LA because I've, I've heard you tell a little bit of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't supposed to happen. It was not a part of any uh, script that I had read for mm -hmm. my life. When I was 13 years old, I felt like God called me to the ministry. Mm -hmm. So I went to Bible college after I graduated high school, just my past for some mentors. We're like, hey, you should go to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. So I went there, had an incredible time, played soccer there. I did theater there. I traveled with a comedy improv team to camps oh, and stuff. Cool. And that was fun. But like, I was there to be a pastor. So okay. I majored in New Testament Greek and love that. You know, you know, when you read the word, the original language. Mm -hmm. um, but, but during my time at CBC, I started to lead this prayer group for, for the U S. So there were prayer groups for different parts of the world and campus missions fellowship asked me to lead the group that prayed specifically for the U S and through that, I just started to get a burning desire for revival in America, for God to pour out his spirit 
on the American church because so much of the American Western church mm-hmm. is dying and anemic and God is so jealous, you know, for the church. And I just began to pray that way. And then I felt like God called me to be an evangelist. So after I graduated CBC, I hit the road. I started to travel and preach as evangelist. Anybody that would give me a shot, I'd be like, I'll drive seven hours to preach to nine people. You know what I mean? Wow. But, but, you know, um, yeah, I started doing that and doors started to open and, you know, it was all God who gave me favor. And there were a couple of pastors that gave me my first shot. Right. But doors led to more doors. And so, but then while I was traveling and preach, and I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life till the day I died. Um, yeah, I was just going to be preaching. I'd be like 98 years old preaching. At a <laughs> I would just keel over. Everybody like, did he just die? Yeah. <laughs> like, see y'all, I gotta go. You know, that was mm-hmm. that was all I thought for my life. Wow. Um, yeah. And then drum roll. Yeah, so then God completely uh flipped the script. While I was traveling preaching mostly to youth, I was just uh my heart was breaking for mm. the mountains of society. And I was like, God, I thank you so much that you're using me at like camps and churches and retreats to do great things. But then like students are just going back to this systemic culture where they're mm-hmm. getting discipled by Hollywood more than anything else. Hours yeah. and hours of TV film every day. And, and then I started to think, or God started to put on my heart, the people in Hollywood who are lost and who don't know Christ. And I just began to cry a lot. Like I'm not a crier. <laughs> I, I began to cry a lot about, the industry. I just, mm. I couldn't get away from it. And the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. I want you to go to LA. I want you to be an actor and use acting as a vehicle to penetrate the industry with the gospel and bring hope to directors, producers, casting directors, background actors, extras, PA, second ADs, anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, long story short, well, it's not short anymore. Uh, I, <laughs> I sold everything that I owned that wouldn't fit in my car and I left Springfield, Missouri and I drove out to LA of uh, September, 2009. I didn't have a place to stay. I didn't have a job and I didn't know a single person in the city when I got there, mm. got out of my car and I went to uh, a, actually a park nearby with this Bible, actually same Bible. Thompson oh Chamber, Bible, love this thing. But I, I went to a park nearby, sat down on the bench and I just looked up. I said, God, I don't know where I'm, I'm going to sleep tonight, mm-hmm. but you told me to go. Here I am. And within 48 hours, miraculously, God had provided a place for me to stay. Mm-hmm. And out of no, it was crazy. Met an agent my my like second day there through <laughs> a dude that I randomly met. Wow. Who was a follower of Christ, who was a Christ follower. And uh, signed with an agent within like 34, out, right, 34 hours. Wow. So my first audition, in, like my third day there. I didn't have a headshot. I didn't have a resume. But God just confirmed hmm. that he sent me. And um, yeah, it was, it was wild. And so that's what, yeah, that's how I got to LA. You know, it, it, and just, you know, being in the industry or being, you know, a performer, some people can hear that and be like, oh man, I had to beat down doors. I had to go this. And it's like, there's something to say when God is calling you to something, he's going to open those doors. And it's not that we don't work hard at what, 
God has called us to do. But my gosh, I, it's it's so miraculous because people can spend years trying to get land an agent or trying to get you know all, all of this, and it just seemed like God was like, you were you you listen, you heard, you obeyed, and he he. I don't know. It's it's well so inspiring. But- well, the other side of the coin is like, <laughs> so you're right. After that happened, I was like, this is easy. Dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be in yeah. a Marvel film to- tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, God had God did those things rapidly to confirm yeah. that I was called there because it was a scary jump. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a conservative son of God church, then went to Central Bible College in the buckle of the Bible Belt. So I felt like the Holy Spirit really needed to Tell me, hey, Brian, I do have you in L.A. You didn't yes. get here by accident. That's why. But then after that, it was then a long and has been a long, challenging, growing, mm-hmm. pain, character building road. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get famous overnight. I, You know, yeah. I, that, that actor struggle, that feast and famine battle, yeah. man, I have lived that now for, yeah, 13 years. Um, yeah. It's changed a lot these last couple years, but those first few years when I thought, oh, God was just going to, it was just going to be a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. God brought me through wilderness because there was a lot of things I needed to unlearn Mm -hmm. and a lot of things I needed to learn because God was not in the business of making me some kind of shooting star that pops up and super bright for a second and then fizzles out and is gone because of a moral failure or burnout. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit had to build and is continuing to build in me the kind of stuff that is able to steward a calling generationally. Mm. It, it can't just You can't just get something cheaply and then you're not going to steward it well and you're not going to have anything to pass on to other people or your kids. And so I, I, I look back and I see now God knew what he was doing to create within me the kind of stuff that can steward an acting career and a ministry for my whole life, not just for five years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, in, in the fact that I believe you had the, you, you went to Bible college, you had the the background that you had, you didn't get swept up in so much. And it, it, it is, it's a calling. And because it's a calling, like you just said, like at the immediately, I think sometimes God shows up in our, in our giftings. Like he's kind of saying here, you've got something. I want you to go out. But the, the struggle is when you don't get everything you think you should get and you don't you get passed up or you get overlooked. Or you're like, wait, I thought you wanted me to be here. Why is this so hard? And why is this not like oh, going like, but I mean, you can talk to most performers and entertain like there it's an industry it, it, and it is feast or famine. Sometimes there's times you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, look at all these things that are like falling in line. And then it's like. Next minute, you're like, uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, wh- wait, what What did I even, did I hear God? Did God really, you know, it's just that real struggle. So That's speak right. a little bit into that. So you're out there, you're in LA and I'm like, tell me, share that journey and kind of what led you guys to, here to the Atlanta area. Well, you're exactly right about the, the, the struggle. There have been many times where I, I've been this close to caving yeah. and just saying I'm done with acting. I can't do it anymore because it's brutal. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you get rejected over and over and over and yeah. over and then you get a yes. And then rejection, 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 rejection. <laughs> you know, it, 
you you have to have the thickest skin, mm-hmm. you know. And then they don't tell you why you didn't book it. What's wrong with you? What was it? And then you just question, swirl. Am I this? Am I that? Am I too ugly? Is my nose crooked? Am I mm-hmm. too short? Are the grays coming in too much on the side? You know, it's all these little games. Mm-hmm. Um, but constantly being brought back to trusting God that that He's my provider. And and in the first few years of LA. Yeah, you know, I was doing background work on TV shows and film, making eight bucks an hour, being in the background, treated like a sheep, you know, come on, all you sheeples, all you extras, get in the scene, you know, and because, man, extras get treated bad so yeah. many times. There are some good second ADs out there, but for the most part, background, you know, um, yeah. but, but, and then I did book some commercials and stuff out there and, um, and then I met my wife, we got married. And then I was working at Universal Studios Hollywood as a tour guide and as a VIP guide, which was kind of like a bread and butter in between traveling and preaching because I was still doing that mm-hmm. in between booking acting jobs. So I was balancing all these all these things. And mm-hmm. then I, I, I just started to spin my tires, man. Like just started to get really frustrated in LA. And mm-hmm. my wife said, maybe we uh, – Maybe we need to go to Atlanta. And I was like, no, I can't. Uh, it would be a failure. You know, my pride, it was pride that I couched in religious language. God called me to LA. I can't, I can't fail. I can't leave. But God was slowly softening us. Christina got the message first, faster, to come to Atlanta to continue to pursue the call that God placed on my life. And I had some mentors here who were in the acting space, who were talking to me about Atlanta, that mm-hmm. it's blowing up, that more filming is happening in Georgia than even now in LA, which mm-hmm. is crazy. So yeah, uh, eventually I was like, all right, let's go. And God had to speak to me and I was stubborn and had to lay down my pride because God had called me to the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, he revealed to me that my calling hasn't changed. The geography did. So we came to Atlanta where I got plugged in with an agent. And since moving here, I've booked more, gotten better auditions, worked more as an actor, like an actual actor, not a background. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, looking back, I wish I hadn't been stubborn. You know, it was the right decision to come to Atlanta to continue to pursue ministry. So now I'm still traveling and preaching as an evangelist, right? I still, you know, open doors to, to preach and communicate the word. I'm still acting. And then my wife and I have uh, two short-term rentals that we post on short-term rental sites. Uh, so that's a revenue stream for us. And Hey, that's, well, oh, well, real quick. Is that like Airbnb when you say short-term rentals? Or are you talking more like, hey, like, I don't even know. It's, it's Verbo. It's um, furnishedfinder.com is one. Airbnb okay. One. Uh, yeah, Atlanta is kind of, you get people coming in for business and different things so you can basically accommodate. Hey, that's. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Something we kind of just stumbled into and, and, Mm -hmm. but we're doing that, but yeah, the calling for Christina and I, you know, Christina has a calling for ministry. The, the, the focus here for us is revival needs to come to Hollywood. God's not done with the entertainment industry. He wants to redeem the arts, but more than that, he wants to redeem the people behind the arts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then to change the whole broadcast coming out of film and TV 
to, yeah. a, to things that please him. And then preaching, you know, say, oh, you're an actor now. So did you lay down preaching? No, uh, I'll I'll preach the word till the day I die. Well, so mm-hmm. we, what are you going to do? Are you going to act or preach? Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. both, both yeah. calling, you know, preaching is the calling God's placed on my heart to target the church mm-hmm. and to tell the church to wake up yeah. and to activate sleepy Christians to become soul winners. But then acting is the vehicle that God gave me to win souls myself. You Amen. Know, so it's both. So, uh, and I want you to talk a little more about the church, but as an actor, you know, and I know being a Christian and an actor speaking to that, because I know there's probably auditions and roles that are going to come your way. You're like, there's no way I could do this. And have you been in a situation where it was an opportunity that you literally just had to say, I, you know, this, this is not going to match up with my life and doctrine here. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had to decline auditions. Mm-hmm. because um because yeah it had content that you know i i don't want to do and the thing that helped though the thing that helped is a long time ago the holy spirit and i sat down and he told me here's the list that i don't want you to do here's what you're going to not do here's what you're going to turn down any questions no good you know what i mean it wow. was yeah I just felt like god said we're going to do it my way. I'm your casting director. I'm your producer. I'm your agent. And if you'll stay humble, I'll mm-hmm. open the doors for you. So I made up my mind a long time ago, the things I wouldn't do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to turn down the thing when you already know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like if you wait until the audition pops up and it's for that show and it's got that money and then you wait then to figure out what you're going to do, you'll cave you'll fold like a lawn chair. So I had an audition for the walking dead a couple years ago, mm-hmm. uh, for a recurring role eventually to be bumped up to series regular. Mm-hmm. Now that, that's like stupid money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, I opened the audition and read the scenes and right away I knew I can't do it. Yeah. And, uh, I declined, didn't have to pray about it. Didn't have to do a poll on Facebook among my Christian friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, cause I just, yeah, like I, I already knew. So there are opportunities I miss out on because like, like Moses, it says about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short ta- time. He mm-hmm. regarded grace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Amen. I, I mean, want- yeah. yeah. Well, it's true. And then, you know, there's people out there and, you know, I'm not trying to fault fine with anybody else, but people can claim, hey, I'm a follower. And yet you see them in, you know, taking roles or, um, you know, speaking out and or or singing songs that you're like, wait, I thought like it doesn't match. And can you speak a little into that? Because I think there's this kind of like, well, he's a, he's a Christian and he's out there or she's out there taking these roles or like, what it, can you speak a little bit into that? If, if you feel comfortable, like, yeah. So, yeah. so the acting pressure is unique because you're, you're just constantly trying to impress everybody around you. Mm-hmm. When you go to audition, you're just trying to impress the casting director and the producers. 
And then that turns over into you're willing to agree with everything that anybody around you says mm-hmm. because you want to impress them. Yeah. So actors are constantly living in that and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier on you until you just become someone that's constantly saying, yeah, yeah, that's, I agree with that. I like, yeah, I like what you like. I want what you want. Want me, like me. It's, yeah. it's like that. And, wow. and that's what happens to actors. Mm-hmm. And so their worldview that they grew up with, their, you know what I'm saying? It gets mm-hmm. twisted and it slowly gets diluted, diluted, diluted because you want that acting job so bad, you're willing to agree with yeah. what everybody is saying. Yes. And I have had friends that I know personally who bowed their knee and they grew up like me. We're in the same yeah. ministries as me. Right. But they ended up, you know, caving to, to the pressures of Hollywood. It happens all the time. So you mentioned revival in Hollywood and, and reforming the industry. Like, would you have some like, because it, it is hard and it there is pressure and there's people that are really super talented and yet they get passed up over and over again. And, you know, so speak into that. Like, is it that there would need to be more people coming in to create content that doesn't compromise somebody's, you know, values? Like, do you have any ideas or, or what that would look like? It's both. Um, we need to make content ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. More and more Christian or faith-based films are coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. But also the Daniel anointing. Okay. So Daniel lived under Nebuchadnezzar and was anointed by God to serve in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I feel like God is wanting to put on my, on my heart, not just acting Christian film, faith-based film, which is great, but to be in Babylon with a spirit of excellence and to have the same heart that Daniel had, he, he did not defile himself at the King's table, Yep. right? He made up his mind and then God blessed him. And I feel like there is a little bit of danger with, we're just going to make a, a subculture we're going to go over here. We're going to make all our own stuff and we're going to be separate. We're going to have our little thing when God has called us not to curse the darkness, but to pierce the darkness with the light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, so I, I feel called to do both. Yeah. Be a part of faith-based content, but m- most of the stuff that I've booked has not been faith-based. Mm-hmm. You know, I've booked lines on shows like MacGyver dynasty, mm-hmm. uh, Four episodes on a Tyler Perry show called The Oval, which airs on BET. Mm-hmm. You know, commercials for Nintendo, Frigidaire, Home Depot, Nike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not faith based, but that's where I get around people who are hurting and broken and lost and dying. And, yeah. and that's where hope and the light of the gospel shines the brightest. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I was just on another show with some um, Christian comedians. And we talk a little bit about, you know, being a light in the industry. We were talking a little more about open mics because open mics with comedians just in the world can get really just, I don't, I don't care. I won't do it anymore. It's just, it's, it's where I'm at in life. I'll make a difference somewhere else. But some of the comedians are like, no, I go in there and I, and I love on these people and I, and I'm like, that's, I'm an encourager by nature. So I don't want to be sitting in somebody's set and they're doing something 
And I mean, these, these open mics go from worse to worse to worse. And oh. and I'm not going to just sit there and take up space and not incur because I'm an encourager. Like I want to be like, Oh, good job. Keep going. And I don't want, I can't lie to somebody. So it's like, I've had to figure out how I can impact, you know, and I know that that's not everybody can do that. And even maybe what you're talking about, not every Christian actor is going to be able to possibly be in a position where they can be around, you know, so I guess it's just kind of knowing what your limits are um, and if you're called to it or not. You know, I, I think this is a specific calling that you have the heart of an evangelist. You are an evangelist, but God is saying, now go over here and, you know, fish for men in the sense of here's, you know, your little pond to, to work. So you're, um, you're exactly yeah. right. It's so important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and yeah. go where he wants you to go and stay away from any place he wants you to stay away from. That's the ticket. And, you know, comedy, like you said, dude, especially open mics is like just a race to the bottom. You know, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And yeah. so if the Holy Spirit is closing that down, you're going to be really frustrated if you try to justify being there by saying, Oh, I need to be salt and light. But if that's what God's told you to do, you need to be faithful to do that. And and for it's the same for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and I think it kind of goes back to that relationship with the with God and knowing the word, which kind of segues into one thing I really wanted you to 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 also talk about is um just the church. And you you I know you had talked about, you know, people not knowing the word and a famine in the church. So kind of even stuff God was burning on your heart years ago, like my church, you know, so please talk a little more about like what you're seeing and, and, and all that. Yeah. So fewer and fewer Christians today mm -hmm. know the word for themselves mm -hmm. and fewer and fewer Christians hunger for the word and make it part of their daily ingestion. And what it's leading to is mass deception and mass apathy. You lose your heart for God and you start to get a heart for the things of the world when you're not taking in the living word. And, so, and that's happening on a broad mass scale. Yeah. And it grieves the heart of God, you know, because the word says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, the son of God, the living word himself had yeah. to know the word and responded to Satan in the wilderness, when he was tempted all three times, how did he respond? It is written. And if Jesus himself, you know what I'm saying? If he had to know the word and respond that way, how much more do we need to know the word? Yeah. And the problem is, is, you know, you can see the stats on Christians and even self-proclaimed evangelical Christians, fewer and fewer are professing. You know, if you look at Barna Research, fewer and fewer are professing that they believe the Bible is God's word, that the, that the Bible uh, has no errors and, and that it's alive and active fewer and mm -hmm. fewer because pastors are not teaching and preaching the word. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge problem. Like I, I, I wonder like the state of where our nation is at right now, isn't because the ball has been kind of dropped and, 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 and there's been so much doubt planted in the hearts of Christians but I think there's a lot of people also that actually do know a lot of the word of God, but they also 
and I'll just speak for, for myself, you know, it's, I, I feel like I know a lot of word, but sometimes it's like there, there's more to it. You know, there's, there's spirit and, and, and God's spirit leading us. And, and there's gifts of the Holy spirit that I think the American church isn't really fanned into the flames there. And I think that that's caused little people to lose heart. And, you know, I've been listening to things about the occult and, you know, they're very much into power and, and, you know, and, and the church is like kind of lost its power. It's lost its fizzle. It's like, just show up Wednesdays and Sundays, listen to some good, you know, but it just seems so routine. And I think people just kind of have lost the the, right. the core of, of what Christianity is about. And it is about that relationship, but it's so much more because I think Bible knowledge is important because we got to know the word of God. Like you just said, Jesus knew it. And that's how he resisted Satan in the desert. Um, but it's also that relationship that I, I wonder if the church just somehow didn't cultivate that. Yeah, that's um, that's I mean, the, the Pharisees knew the the Torah better than anybody. Mm -hmm. But when they saw the one whom the Torah prophesied, mm -hmm. they couldn't recognize him because it was dead religion. Yeah. Second Timothy three says in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Yeah. And so the word has to get in here. It does, but it's got to travel 18 inches and get your spirit. Yeah. And that's why Jeremiah the prophet said, and I believe it's Jeremiah 20, your word is in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm mm -hmm. weary of holding it in and indeed I cannot. You know, I think it's um Job 15:16 says your words came to me and I ate them and they were a joy and delight to my heart. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of hunger and thirst for the word that takes the Bible from here to here so that it, it comes alive mm -hmm. and you're, you're reading the word, but yeah, you're listening to the voice of the Holy spirit, bring the text out and make it alive for us. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, the Jews in the first century wanted a relationship with the father apart from Jesus. And now mm -hmm. Christians want a relationship with Jesus apart from the Holy spirit. And the Holy spirit is treated like the boogeyman or the mm -hmm. redheaded stepchild in the church. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're missing the power from the word that needs yeah. to be activated by a, a spirit filled spirit embracing life and culture. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I can only speak from my own personal journey. You know, I grew up Catholic and then I did experience a church of God's, you know, where it was very Holy spirit. And then I went into another church culture that was pretty much, Hey, the spirit, you know, the, the, the gifts kind of ceased. So I, which that was fine. Well, not fine, but for a season, I just went, I went after the word, you know, and I, and I still believed in Holy spirit. I just, it was almost like this missing part. And, you know, now that I'm coming back to a church culture that cultivates holy, a relationship with Holy spirit and that it's, it's encouraged and I'm pressing into this part, Holy spirit, you know, God within me, God's power within me. It's, it's really transforming not only my life, but my prayer life, the life of my, you know, people that are close to me. And I just, I, I, I kind of going back to the American church and, and why people have lost heart and, and hope and maybe even spiritful churches though. I I've even heard are they're not even, you know, I, I don't even think I could say, oh, you got to find a good spirit filled church anymore, because sometimes I'm hearing like, oh, it's still like a TED talk there. Like there's there's nothing. So what has happened in 
you know, little, let's, let's keep talking about that because I'm well, just trying to. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I would say to every, every person listening right now, mm-hmm. you need to be in a church that's Bible believing Bible preaching and full of the life of the spirit. And I want you to know if you're listening right now or watching, you don't have to choose between the two. You don't have to choose between a church that's a cemetery. They know the Bible, but there's, there's no spirit life there or insane asylums, right? The other extreme, this is from Jim Cimbala's book, fresh wind, fresh fire. He talks about the two extremes or insane asylums where it's like spirit filled, the overemphasis, the hyper emotionalism, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to run from the errors, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to pick between the two, the narrow road. You'll, you'll live on the narrow road. When you find a church community, a community of believers that are committed both to the fullness of the teaching of the word of God and the fullness of the spirit filled life. And at restoration. Yeah, dude. I mean, pastor Mm -hmm. Chuck straight up teaches the full counsel of the word. Yeah. Biblical. It's grounded. It's doctrinally sound. It's deep. But then we also make room for the spirit filled life and for the moving of the Holy spirit. And I can tell you, I've been there uh, coming up on a couple of years. Christina and I have grown more there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then the 17 years before that, where we were in churches that focused on like one or the other, it's, it's been incredible. And mm-hmm. uh, every, every believer in Jesus, man, needs to be at a church that, you know, is, is doing both and hitting both. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I do, you kind of said it, there's a famine in the American church and it's like kind of interesting right now. Everyone's like, Oh, food shortages are coming. But I, I do think that a lot of, I, I hear Statistically, a lot of churches are shutting down, yada, yada, post-COVID numbers are falling. Yada. But I, I can't help but think I, I know God's going to take care of his remnant. I know people that are truly seeking God who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're, they're going to be filled. So, but it's, I'm having a tough time with people saying, okay, is there a church like what you've got there here? And, you know, I don't, I don't, online is great, you know, for when you can't make it, but you got to be in a community. Like that's, yeah. there's nothing like being person, you know, in person. So, you know, somebody that may be like, Hey, I'm in a dead church or I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I don't even know how to lead people. Sometimes I I'm just grateful that I'm positioned where I am for this hour, because like you said, we've only been there not even uh, a year and it's, the, the growth and the, and the, it's like, I, I didn't realize I was in the desert. Like I am just like more and more and more like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's been great. But what about that? Like for people, let me say this people, you know, you, you're like, uh, there's not a church around me that, you know, fits the description of what you're talking about. But let me give an analogy from Hollywood. You know, these superheroes, these actors who are cast in Marvel DC films, they, they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on diet, personal training, physical fitness, supplements, vitamins, nutrition. I mean, Chris Hemsworth looks like that because he's invested his entire life, mm-hmm. an untold amount of money and time to get that. He's willing to pay that price to be Thor in a movie that won't, that won't be remembered in 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and I want I want people to know an hour drive to a church that's going to build your life, that's going to let your marriage thrive, mm-hmm. where you're going to get the accountability and the 
joyful relational attachment that the church is supposed to be characterized by. Yeah. I want, I want everybody to know it's worth it. Yeah. But how, how high of a price are you willing to pay to, to get to a church and to be in a church that's going to bless you, your family, your kids. I, I'm so pumped that Mm -hmm. I know my kids are being raised at restoration. Like I can't tell you how much a relief that is just, um, my kids are in just such good hands. I I can't tell you how many restaurants I pass. My wife and I are going out Friday night uh, to our favorite uh, Brazilian steakhouse to uh, to have a, a conversation about what we're going to name our our son. <laughs> we don't know yet, <laughs> and, uh, but dude, I can't tell you how many steakhouses we're going to pass to yeah. get to that one. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. So it's it's almost like. There has to be sometimes you 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 gotta put a little sacrificing and God God will God is never trying to hide himself like you know what I mean like God is he he's willing to reveal himself but we just can't sit on the couch and you know we're we're in such that you know the last times it's like people's people will be lovers of themselves I want to talk a little bit about that or, or there's this comfort level that we're all experiencing and and it's such a temptation to just get in your bubble to just watch online or, Hey, I had a great devotional here, or I went to a conference last week. So that like, but if you don't get under a covering of a good, healthy church community, I I just feel like people are so unaware of how um, ill-equipped they are for the true spiritual battle and warfare that, that, that the church is in right now. And um, I know you mentioned revival. So can you talk a little bit about like, some of that, like, you know, people kind of getting that armor, like waking up, like, wait, like sometimes I want to be like, wake up, wake up people. Like, let's go. Like, it's, it's not going to just fix itself. If we just by osmosis, sit back and just kind of hope it gets better. Like we got to start warring. We got to start fighting, you know, for, for change to, to happen. And that's right. Well, three things that you brought to my mind. Mm-hmm. Number one, great deception is here. We're living in the last days and people are being deceived. Mm-hmm. And the, the number one way to protect yourself from deception is to walk with God and to know the word and to be in a Bible believing spirit filled community. Number two, whenever the devil raises up extreme cases of wickedness in the world, the mm-hmm. Lord is always looking to balance the scales by raising up extreme cases of righteousness, men and women who are radically devoted to the things of God. Uh, Phineas from Numbers 25, Esther's, Daniel's, Joseph's. Mm-hmm. And when you get in a, when you know the word for yourself and when you get in a church family that caused you to thrive and grow, God will start to activate revival ministry in and through you to touch people who are dead around you. And then number three, I think the, one of the biggest contributors to a famine of the word of God and to, a, to why we see, we, we don't see God move as often as we should mm-hmm. is because pastors, preachers, teachers are not teaching the full counsel of the word of God. They are softening it down and weakening it to tickle ears. And the other thing they're doing is they're only teaching or preaching a part of the word because they've self-labeled as either a holiness preacher or a grace preacher. But but what we need to know is there's no such thing as a grace preacher. There's no such thing as a holiness preacher. There are only preachers who preach the full counsel of the word. 
And pastors, because of theological presuppositions, because of how they are raised, they're choosing the opinions of people, the opinions of men and women over the full counsel of the word. How they were raised denominationally affects their preaching and teaching more than what the whole word says. And pastors need to know that when they stand before God, they're going to have to give an account for how they preached the full word, Mm -hmm. not parts of it, not the parts they think that they were called to. But they're going to be asked by Jesus, son, daughter, did you preach this whole book faithfully? And you you better be sure that when you stand before Jesus, I know I'm speaking some tough love, Mm -hmm. but you better be sure that when you stand before Jesus, you're able to say back to him who will have fire in his eyes. Yes, I did not neglect any part of your word. And I was faithful to shepherd God's flock with Mm -hmm. all the nourishment from scripture. And many pastors are not doing that. It's leading to great deception and great apathy in the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it just makes me think about um, just cowardness, you know, and and I know Revelations talks about, you know, God's not going to be pleased if, if we're going to shriek back. And yeah. can you, is, is that what we're looking at here? Is it, is just this a lack of boldness? Is it fear of man rather than fear of God? I, I what, what do you, what do you have to say about all that? Like, why aren't they preaching the truth? What's going on? Like, and and did they not wake up? I mean, come on, we spent two years watching a lot of deception through the media. It's like, I don't understand how anybody isn't awake right now, but I also want to be very patient that God, certain people might take a little longer or, or we don't want to, so, you know, speak the truth in love kind of thing, but. Yeah, well, well, two things. Um, number one, the fear of man. Yeah, is is to prefer the approval of men over God, right? Mm-hmm. Many pastors who are pastoring attractional churches, they're attracting horizontally. They're trying to bring people, right, by saying what people want to hear. And that's how they're going to build the church. We're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to preach in a way that draws God. Yeah. Preach vertically, be a vertical church, and then God will bring the people. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing a shift spirit filled churches that are vertical are growing Mm -hmm. and the attractional model, the P the seeker sensitive model is dying. It worked, dude. We've tried it for 35 years. Mm -hmm. It's not working. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just making the church more spiritually anemic. I'm looking around. I'm like, dude, we've been trying it for 35 years. You think things are getting better? You think Christians are getting stronger and more bold? And less deceived? You think Christian marriages are getting stronger? You think we're seeing more signs, wonders, and miracles? Dude, no. Something's Mm -hmm. not working. Maybe we should try the way they did it in the book of Acts when they turned the world upside down because they boldly preached the word. And and I think, you know, you you and I met at Restoration. Restoration Church has exploded Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Yeah. And, And I don't think Restoration Church is some kind of luck anomaly, you know, like you bet on GameStop January 11th. (laughs) I don't think it's, I think it's happening a lot. We just don't hear about it because the media is not going to pick it up. But I I think the churches that are growing the most right now are spirit filled, bold, unapologetic Bible preaching churches. Yeah. I think it's refreshing. We've, we've been in such a cancel culture where people are afraid to speak truth and it's so hush and and it's just like, and when you hear 
somebody courageously just simply speak the truth of the word of God. It's so refreshing. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying stuff that I'm feeling that I just was wondering when somebody was going to just start saying some things that make some sense around here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're like me. I hear it all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've met in the last couple of years that have come from like big attractional secret sensitive churches that are like, oh man, we've just been missing this. Yeah. Dude, I wish I had been, I wish I had been here 10 years ago, even 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it grieves my heart. It's like, man, that much of your life was spent in a place where you weren't positioned to thrive. It's, yeah. uh, it's, you know, but better late than never. You know what I mean? Well, you just spoke on something and and that's where I also feel like the church let its people down. Like I, I haven't questioned my salvation since I, you know, I was baptized at, well, anyway, since my early twenties, I felt very secure in my salvation. It was, it was, the, but however, it wasn't complete because there was healing that still needed to happen in my journey. And it's been a long healing process. However, I just wasn't in a church environment. It goes back to the, the gifts of the spirit and it goes back to Jesus, the fullness of what he wanted us to experience as believers. When he says it is finished, he, 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 it's finished. Like we, by his stripes were healed. And I, and I just feel like th- there's so much people have missed out on so much of the word of God that wants to minister to brokenness, addictions, things like that, that yeah. you're just seeing people fill up church pews that are like, spiritually, if you could take a screenshot of that, they're so crippled, so weighed down. And the church has just sat, sat there for years and, and not done anything. And, and can you yeah. talk about that? I can give you an example. You yeah. know, um, I've preached messages out of Romans chapter six, which talk about being dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus and how we're no longer slaves to sin. And I can't tell you how many times I've preached out of Romans six and people come up to me afterwards being like, I've been in church for 20 years. I've never heard a message like that. Mm-hmm. And I know what they're saying. They're not mm-hmm. talking about the delivery or the whatever. They're talking about how they've never heard someone extrapolate, pull out of the word what's just so plainly there. Yeah. But they've been missing it because these powerful truths you know, are avoided because they may be a little uncomfortable. They may hit a little tough. They may, you know what I'm saying? But man, yeah, I, I, I see it all the time when I teach and preach on the Holy spirit. Um, when I teach and preach on freedom from sin, yeah. Everything that Christ purchased on the cross, when I teach and preach on God forbid what finances and mm-hmm. what the Bible says about how we're supposed to flourish in the land to bring us, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Oh, you know, it's like spiritual post-traumatic stress, because, <laughs> you know, on one side. And so th- then they throw the baby out with the bathwater. But yeah. but then what that does is you, you're so desperate to avoid error. It keeps you from, from taking from the word of God, what's really there on those subjects. Yeah. And so, yeah, I encounter it um, all the time. It, it, it breaks my heart to, to, to realize, and, and I can speak from my own journey that like here, you know, and all I can say is God is like, Hey, we're just getting started. So it's a beauty, you know, like God just keeps me, it's, it's, it's getting better and better. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a part of me that's like, man, I could have got here a lot sooner. However, God is a gentleman. He's, he's patient. He's, he's not going to force 
oh, you better, you know, here's my healing. But it's like, we do have to come to those places where we are seeking um, the fullness. And when you're in a church culture, that's, that's kind of not open to that, or, you know, it's, you know, and I, and I never fault a, a person I'm, I, you know, I, I have free will. I can choose to get up and leave a church whenever I, I want to. So it's not, not like I, I didn't want these things. It's just, it's just interesting. The deception that goes on, even in the Christian communities about other denominations and yada, 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 yada. And, and it kind of goes back to becoming more like a Pharisee and becoming very just tight knit in your religion. And you get in these like religious circles and it's so bound up and it's so, it, it's so not what the freedom and Christ we should be experiencing. So that's right. Well, um, I'll, I'll say yeah. this to encourage everybody listening, you know, Joel prophesied, I will restore the years the locusts have taken. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage you if you're watching or listening right now, you know, God, God has a place for you to thrive and flourish. He wants the very best for you. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you spent years missing out on, on that, I want you to know God is in the business of redeeming that time. And he's faithful to do that. And it's amazing to watch. And so trust God, start listening to him, get obedient. He'll get you into a place where you can thrive and flourish. And then he's going to fast track some things by his grace that, yeah, that time that you missed out on, he's going to yeah. make for it. So I hope, I hope that encourages people out there who feel like what you just said. Yeah. And, and, and I, it's, it's interesting to be in a church culture where just, you know, and we'll, we'll be wrapping it up here in a minute, but the fact that we are at this church restoration in North Atlanta You've got people coming from every sort of denomination. Like there's, it, it's, it's such an interesting time. And I'm like, thank you, God, for, for tapping and saying, come over here. I want to show you something. And it's like, oh, wow. Thank you, God. I just feel honored to be sitting and, and, and listening to what I'm listening to, the teachings and the covering and being in the community that, that we're in. So, um, yeah, so just kind of wrapping it up, um, Anything else you kind of want to maybe just push out for, for those that maybe um, are just kind of, maybe they've never even done church. Maybe they're just like, listen, I've not even been open to this whole church thing. You know, where do I start? Where do I begin? I don't even own a Bible. Like, what would you, what would you do to speak to somebody that's just kind of waking up to all of it? Well, I would just say, I want you to know that Jesus is alive and Christianity is the only religion whose founder is still alive. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. God loves you. He created you in his image, and he wants you to understand what it means to walk with him and to know him. There is joy in his presence, and there is nothing in this world that will ever satisfy you. Only his presence will satisfy you. And Jesus paid the price so that you could be brought back into right relationship with God to be healed, to be restored. All your shame gets taken away. All your sins get erased and wiped away. And he mm -hmm. gives you newness of life. He came to give you the abundant life. When you understand that your purpose is to know God and to experience the plan he has for you, you're going to want to be around other people who believe the same. Yeah. That's the definition of a church. Amen. Call out people who understand that, who are going to come alongside you to encourage you and to love you, sometimes correct you, to help push you and put wind in your sails 
toward what God's calling you to do. So find a church that will put wind in your sails, get a copy of the Bible that's easy to understand, like the New Living Translation or the NIV, Mm -hmm. continue to ask God to reveal himself to you. And when you do that, he's faithful because the Bible says that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Yeah. If you diligently seek him, I promise you, because God promised it, that he will reward you. He'll reveal himself to you. And that's been the testimony of my life. The only thing I got going for me is I'm desperate for God's glory. I want him to shine. Mm-hmm. I want to become less. I want him to be greater. As an actor, I want his glory to be known. As a preacher, as a pastor, as an evangelist, I want people to be awakened to the the power of the gospel in their life. And God wants that for me. And he wants that for every person. God's no respecter of persons. Mm -hmm. Every one of you has a calling from the foundation of the earth. You know, it's not just pastors and ministers and preachers and whatever. God Mm -hmm. has special for every person watching, watching and listening. Amen. Well, that's so encouraging. Like I, I'm, I'm encouraged and, and like what you said, so those that may be just starting or those that feel like, man, I've I've spent my whole life in church and yet I didn't know it could get so much better so that God can can even through that. He can fast track some things and right. um, he's he's doing some great work. I I feel like the church is the antidote for the hour. We are the salve. We are the healing of the nations like. Right. So I do believe revival's coming. I, I, in some ways, I feel like it's already starting within me and in, you know, the kingdom of God is within all of us that are believers. Um, would you speak a little more maybe into the, the churches and, and, and revival? Do you, would, do you have anything to share about um, what that might look like or what that might, how that might kind of play out in the, in the years to come here? If yeah. I mean, the, re- the recipe for revival starts with the prayer meeting. And any church that doesn't have a prayer meeting is going to miss it. Yeah, Nothing happens without prayer. And we've seen recently at Restoration many signs, wonders, and miracles, mm-hmm. divine physical healings. Even the past couple of weeks, I've had multiple people come up to me and, and tell me that they got divinely physically healed, tangibly, demonstrable mm-hmm. stuff, physical mm-hmm. pain, hip pain shoulder, um, uh, sickness, disease, food allergies, even a a girl testified. We're seeing it, but I could tell you that there's a Tuesday night prayer meeting and a Saturday morning prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Mm non-negotiable. And that's where revival starts a praying people, because what is, what is prayer? It's an acknowledgement of dependence upon God. Mm -hmm. And you'll never get a move of God. If you think you can do it by in, in your own strength. And when you humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from your wicked ways, Second Chronicles 7.14, that's how it's going to come. So I would encourage everybody listening, get in that closet of prayer. Get desperate for God. Ask God to grace you with hunger for his presence and watch him turn you into a catalyst for a move of his spirit. Don't just wait on the sidelines. Be like, hopefully it comes. Maybe God will move in his time. No, you take action. You're the first to draw near. James chapter four, verse seven and eight. We don't, we don't have time to unpack it, but you make yourself a carrier of revival. And when many people start doing that collectively, boom, we reach critical mass. And that's how you get a historical move of God. 
Well, I'm I'm believing that the the American churches are, are about to experience a, a huge outpouring of manna, so to speak, and that just I think God has been just waiting to just pour this out, pour out His love, pour out His healing, pour out His miracles and His signs because He sees the wounds, He sees all of it. So it's honestly as hard as things have been in our nation, it's a wonderful time I believe to be a Christian, to be a believer, because it's like wow, this is this is the real battle and, and we're in the hour. So anyway, I appreciate everything you had to say. Um, for those that are out there kind of uh, getting to know you, uh, where could people, if they want to kind of follow what you do, um, you got a website? I, I don't have a website, but you can follow me on the usuals. Uh, my name okay. is Forzio. I post um, preaching and teaching stuff, but also, you know, acting stuff like, you know, just stuff I've been in just because it's fun. Um, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and so you can find me there and yeah. Tune in with God's and it's wait, and you have Brian, Brian.porzio.com. Is that, I don't have a website, but my Instagram is Brian Porzio. Brian Porzio. Uh, Cause there's not a lot of us out there. There's some dentist in South Carolina that has the same name. I hate that guy. <laughs> Let's take them out. No, I'm kidding. What? I beat him to all the handles, all the social yeah. media handles. Okay, so um, Brian Por. Oh, oh, I spell it wrong. Ah, sorry. Hold on. Let's don't worry, no. But um, okay. Well, and then I just showed it again because that's you know I'm so. Take but, three. Okay. Spell your last name. P O R Z I O. Okay. P O R Porzio. Me. And we'll save that. And then I'll be all cool. And I didn't even capitalize anything because, you know, that's all the cool way. You're, to do names. You're, hip You're hip with the cool kids. I'm hip with the cool kids. Well, it's it, it, thank you for coming on and, and best of luck to you with this, uh, with your third son on the way. And um, thank you for taking time out. I know you've got a busy, busy, lots going on. So hey, if, somebody, um, if somebody wants to send me some coffee grounds. Cause we about to not sleep up in here. Oh, I know. Okay. All right. All right. So reach out um, and follow Brian <laughs> coffee fund. We're going to do a GoFundMe just to, fund <laughs> yeah, just, just for my coffee supply. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank well, you so much, Jennifer. Like this has been a blast and um, I love what you're doing. I love that you're doing this show and um, that you're reaching people with your gifts. Keep it up. Awesome. Well, I, this was fun. You'll have to come back on again and uh, maybe give us an update on all the kids and, um, you know, such great stuff. I, I believe this is going to help a lot of people. So thanks again for coming on and, and we'll do this again, maybe, maybe uh, sooner than later. I would love maybe that. After you, after you have this third son and get caught up on some sleep and then, and then we'll talk. Okay. We'll do it. Right. Thank God you. Bless. Thank you.